Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive parts. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Autumn is in the air. Time for back to school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy. Good times, everyone. It's a beautiful 70-degree-plus day in Blaine, Washington. Sunshine is out. Birds are chirping. And I'm drinking a glass of wine. Feeling pretty good. You know, the other day I had the chance to have another great interview or discussion with a colleague of mine, Renee Zernicki, who is our most recent guest on the podcast, who I'm looking forward to you guys listening to and we chopped it up about being former athletes and our life in college uh, former lives in college and talking a little bit about what she's up to with her new position with the company future and it's just uh it's just wonderful to talk to so many incredible people who are doing some amazing things and the show continues to just breathe life into a lot of people and help a lot of people, and uh, that's a huge purpose of mine in life, so I'm very grateful for it. Guys, I look forward to you listening and really having a lot of fun with Renee Zernicki. Hey! What is up? How are you? I am fantastic on this, I think it's Saturday, it's Saturday, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> what are you up to today? What, did, what, did, what, what have you been doing this morning? You know what? I have been programming for clients, communicating with them. And, you know, hopefully the goal is that I get my own workout in before the end of today as well. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the goal for today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So your workouts, what, you know, what are you doing these days on your workouts? You know, it, it used to be uh, Olympic weightlifting, you know, five to six days a week, uh-huh. competing. Now it's let's just move so that nothing hurts. Let's <laughs> let's make sure we warm up. Uh, no, I'm joking. I, I still focus on strength and, and power, but it's definitely, you know, a lot shorter. My workouts are a lot shorter now. Uh, I'm, I'm happy if I get to the gym four to five times. So I've, I've Mm -hmm. lost, I've lost maybe a day, which I'm okay with that. Uh, and, and I'm no longer competing now. It's more, Hey, like, let's look great. Let's feel great. Uh, and, (laughs) and, and and sweat for 45 minutes. That's, that's literally now how my workouts have shifted. So when, when did that change for you in your life? Like what, when was that point? 
Uh, you know, probably when I when I moved uh, out to out to California, it it's a lot easier to train and and compete. I was on an Olympic weightlifting team in Madison, so mm-hmm. I I was fortunate that my my Olympic weightlifting coach was also my coworker, uh, Jim Snyder, and mm-hmm. so it was easy. I mean, my office was right in the weight room, right? So there's really no excuse when the platform's five feet from your desk. Of course. Now. There's a little bit more that goes into it of getting to the gym, walking, doing what most people have to do, right? Correct. Uh, right. So, so now I've, I've entered into that world of making sure that I have time management to fit that into my day uh, each week. So it's just shifted a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I had the run of the weight room and now I'm working in a, co- working out in a commercial gym where that's, that's frowned upon if you take five stations at once. So I've, adjust, <laughs> I've adjust, I've adjusted my workouts accordingly. You know, what's funny. I still do that. I still take like a bunch of stations and I have all these weights and all these things all over the place, but I, I work out at a resort in my sleepy town and it's really quiet. Okay. So nobody's, you know, it's a lot of um, like elderly population. So they're pretty much doing, I would say what a lot of people are doing was just to get on the treadmill or something yep. or elliptical. And they just, it's really just kind of just moving the joints around for, a little bit. For so. sure. Well, I mean, I'm still taking probably three stations, right? I just have to make <laughs> sure I'm putting a towel on one thing. Uh, maybe, maybe my long sleeve shirt on another thing, just so people are like, okay, that's her area. I get it. That's uh, her area. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people, you know, when you start doing Olympic lifts in a commercial gym, people just tend to not want to work in with you. So that actually works out right. in my favor. So how do you, you know, it's, I'm fascinated by this. A lot of this, you know, what we do on this podcast, is just, we just go. And it just goes wherever it goes. That's what we're doing right now. It's great. And I'm fascinated by, you know, we're both uh, former, you know, athletes. And uh, I don't know. Some people think they're still athletes. I don't know. I don't consider myself. I'm not competing anymore. I like <laughs> but, to say uh, that I'm a retired athlete. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I have people that I know. They're like, oh, I'm still an athlete. I'm like, you don't compete, though. Like, yeah, I don't. They're just, they're just not facing that retirement aspect yet. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I used that was me back in the day. But, you know, I may still train with the intensity I have. I'm definitely smarter. But how do you see yourself as a former athlete moving into training in commercial facilities? What's that feeling like for you when you're watching other, I mean, not watching, but you're aware of other people working out around you that maybe weren't in your situation? For sure. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing it's done is it's opened my eyes that so many people want to do the movements that maybe I'm doing, or they want to, you know, uh, get stronger and things like that. They just have no idea what they're doing. And I, I, I was spoiled where I was working with student athletes. So everyone that I watched train was basically a genetic freak and they had a coach working with them side by side. And so you would see amazing technique. You would see these things being done that, you know, you knew, you knew yourself that you couldn't do the things that they're doing. And so now being thrown into that like commercial fitness world, just with my own workouts and seeing all these people, I mean, my heart kind of goes out to them because I debate every time, like, do I, do I help this person and, 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 and make sure that like, you know, their technique is solid. But then at the same token, 
one that might actually offend them and I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. I I want them to stay going to the gym and and stay uh you know trying to get to their goals that whatever that might be but then the other side of that is I also don't know if that's a good thing because then they might be asking you questions nonstop and then guess what you don't get your own work (laughs) so it's like it's like twofold uh I don't want to offend them and then I also want to still get my workout in, in in a 45 minute time slot I completely agree with you. I struggle with this. I don't think I struggle with it as much anymore, but back in the day, I'd be like, man, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in here. I'm not used to seeing this level of weirdness in a, you know, I'm like you, I've come from where, you know, there's like 20 platforms or whatever. And, you know, there's, it's very technical and everybody's, you know, moving from one station to the next. And, you know, there's lots of coaching going on. And then, when I was thrust into kind of the, what I call general population of exercise, I was like, man, I don't know what's going on around here, but uh, it's looking pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) But but then there's there's (laughs) times where I'm like, wow, like that person is actually decently strong. And then I always think like, I wonder what sport they played. And I try to guess in my head that Uh, more times than not, they probably played a sport at some time in their life. Um, Because you can typically tell by, you know, uh, what they're doing, their body awareness and, uh, just watching them like cruise through their workout. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm surprised, which is great because I see people doing some pretty impressive things as well. Yeah, no, there's some people doing some interesting stuff, but it's, you're having to kind of like, man, I should tell them there's, <laughs> there's a better way to do it or, or, or science and exercise science research and all that. We don't do that stuff anymore. Like that's you know, exactly. That's, or I like, just want to, I just want to slide my phone over and be like, Hey, you see this app, you want this or, you know, some, <laughs> some, some real quick marketing, right. Uh, while right, I'm doing right. my own workout. It's an interesting, uh, platform i once saw this video i think it was on youtube or something and it was basically a parody of how people act in the gym and it was so funny because it was like you know you got like the meatheads and stuff yep and then you had like the women who were looking at themselves in the mirror and all that and stuff you know it's just like all these you know yes yes different different like clicks of people that run in gyms and which was really so foreign to me when I first got vaulted into it. I was like, this is how this is. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. My first week working out uh, at a commercial gym in the city was very eye opening because I hadn't, I was, I hadn't worked out in a commercial gym for probably over five years uh, because I had different, you know, colleges that I was, I was working out at. Right. Right. You know, it's funny is I, I had like zero experience in a commercial gym until I was like 26, 27, I think. Like I mm-hmm. had always, I grew up in a military family. So I was always like in a military gym when I wasn't training like for my sports and stuff. And that's another weird experience. I was going to say, uh, I'm sure that's a whole different world. <laughs> I mean, it's a, like, it's a lot of swole dudes in there who are doing like weird stuff. But everybody's an expert in weightlifting and military gyms, I swear, or mm-hmm. or everybody's mm-hmm. playing pickup basketball. So that was like the two things I did was like lifting weights and playing pickup ball all the time, uh, like in off season and stuff. So it's just it's I like to talk to former athletes about kind of how they see training once they're in the general population, because it's a real change in mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. are used to seeing all these like super athletic people around you constantly. Yeah. And then you see truly what's going on. I mean, with, 
Right. Like people who you're, you're used to seeing these super lean, uh, jacked individuals. And then you, <laughs> you go and you see like, okay, this is gen, gen pop. And these are, you know, the issues that we're, we're currently dealing with. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird, I was talking to uh track, another track foot athlete not too long ago. And it's like, you're in this weird bubble when you're an athlete, you're just like walking around, everybody's looking beautiful. I mean, really like, just ripped and just like like the height of physical fitness and you're like this is not reality <laughs> <laughs> yeah not at all not at all it's not normal <laughs> you know? it's like wow when you get to the regular world you're like okay this is more like you know people are struggling with exercise there's no there's no you know basket you know for the ball to go in there's mm -hmm. you know there's no goal it's you know it's mm -hmm. just like hey we're just trying to be healthy here but like a lot of people just don't have the knowledge of knowing exactly. what to do so i always call it default exercise people default to what is easiest for them to do you know get on a treadmill operate that you know ride a bike or something something that just you know and, and then do the same thing over and over again because mm -hmm. they understand overload or they may not like you know the actual uncomfortableness of pushing yourself you know well well and they have so many other life stressors i feel like the right. last thing they want to do is stress out about what do i do in the gym today you know it's one of those things that gets lower on the priority list of probably all the things that they have going on but that's yeah. the last thing they want to think about walking through those doors <laughs> you gotta get them through the doors first <laughs> yes yes there was probably stress involved just with getting them to the gym uh, and then, you know, it, it increases with them not having any idea what they should be doing for their specific goal. You know, it's funny. I had a, I had a client one time who she, before I started working with her, it was just like getting her to come to the gym. She said she used to drive her car into the parking lot and drive it around the parking lot over and over. And then she would leave. And I was mm -hmm. like, she was like, yeah, I just, I would get there and then I'd be there and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know, yeah, just make yeah, la laps around the parking lot. I feel like that's common. And I mean, she even took it a step for, like further of getting in her car and driving there. But I think so many people have the right intentions. They may have their stuff laid out or be actually in their workout clothes. And then they're just, no, this isn't happening today. Mm. And, you know, intimidation is such a huge thing when, you know, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing there and you don't you know, human nature is you, you want to feel like everyone around you, they look at you and you know what you're doing, right? And, and human nature, when you don't know what you're doing, and you go into a facility where you, the majority probably actually don't know what they're doing, but they might be yeah. better at acting and, and going through <laughs> the movements. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's probably a very intimidating environment. I say, Probably because I was fortunate that from a young age, like I absolutely love the gym. I would right. go to, to the gym to shoot around. I'd play basketball nonstop. I would try to lift weights with my, with my older brother uh, when, when he yeah. was training for football. So I was, you know, fortunate that I never really went through that awkward period of God, I hope, I hope I know what I'm doing or, you yeah. know, and and I think, too, that's what, what helped excel me into this career, because from a young age, I absolutely just loved it. I loved, I loved going there every single day. You know, I, I think we're very similar. I, I never had that awkward stage. It was just like, 
I would, uh, we grew up in a military family. So, and my dad was very into fitness when I was growing up. And so I'd always follow him around into gyms and, mm-hmm. and I'd watch his workouts and I would, you know, I would work out with him and stuff. And it just became, it became a thing for me, you know? Um, but what's funny is like, I never became like a gym rat though. Like I never wanted to spend like tons of hours mm-hmm. in the gym. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hit it hard and be done. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to max my effort out and I zero the tank and then, is I'm not lingering around after that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm the same way right now. <laughs> yeah. Same exact way. I mean, now, I, now I'm at that point where it's like, I want to get in and, and get my workout done, be efficient and then out where I used to, I used to like to hang around a little bit more. I think, I think that's more of an Olympic weightlifting thing. You know, you, you lift with a group mm-hmm. of people and when you're hitting super heavy sets, you have to take some time to recover in between. And it's, right. it's a, it's a cool team you know, environment. So then I felt like I would stick around a little bit longer, but now it's all about being efficient in, out, yeah. get, get sweat, get some strength working and, and go on with the day. So you're not walking around trying to have a conversation with everybody in the gym. No, <laughs> no, my, my coworkers will, will joke with me. Now I talk to nobody. Headphones are in. I am, yep. I'm getting stuff done and then I'm leaving. It's funny. I, I, where I'm at, there's a lot of people who are like, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want to be rude, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Like talk mm-hmm. to me afterwards. Like I'm very focused. I'm yes. not into this. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm the same way now. And I, I probably wasn't like that, you know, a couple of years ago, but now uh, it's about being as efficient as possible. Right. Definitely. So Take me back. I want to go backwards a little bit before we go to the future here. And uh, I like that. I like that. You like that? You you see that? I did. It's clever, right? (laughs) (laughs) It it was. It was. Back to the future. Boom. Just like that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about your time uh, working, you know, in the Big Ten and strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. and just, you know, take our listeners inside of that life, you know, working with athletes and uh, just, you know, some of the highs and lows of it, you know? Oh, for sure. So I was at the University of Wisconsin for three years. Uh, amazing three years. I think it, it, it was almost, it was a dream come true because as a kid, that was the team I cheered for. That's the team I still cheer for. So right. to be on that court, warming up women's basketball, I remember the first game that I was standing on the court warming them up. I just looked around and absorbed it. And I'm like, wow, like this is actually happening. And um, it was it was so powerful for me to, to be in that environment when I had cheered my my entire childhood for that team. Uh, so it was it was an amazing three years. I worked with Eric Helen and Jim Snyder. And I, I tell people every day was basically a, a an internship program for me, even, you know, as an assistant, because they had so much expertise, so much experience. So I would learn from them. They would, we would talk, you know, for hours uh, in the office. So every single day I felt like I was learning and I was progressing. And I think that's really important wherever you decide to work at. Uh, when, you, when you work with people that are smarter than yourself, I feel like that's always a really good thing for, sure. uh, for, for professional growth. So I was fortunate I got to work with women's basketball and men and women's golf. And then I also worked with uh, women's tennis for a period of time there. And 
it was cool to see the differences in teams, right? The cultures are so different mm -hmm. from team to team. And, you know, I'm spending a lot more time with women's basketball because they have more hours with me. I was traveling full time with them as well. Uh, so I was doing nutrition for them and I'm on the road with them doing recovery workouts and things like that. So that was the first time for me that I had traveled full time with a team. I would worked at UC Davis previously, but because I had so many teams, I couldn't travel like that. Right. Uh, so at Wisconsin, that that was new. Uh, started doing a lot more because I had less teams with those teams. So with golfers, you know, going out to the course, watching them actually do some technique work. And then with women's basketball, like going to every single practice, monitoring their heart rates, I was able to do those things because I didn't have so many teams. And that was really, really awesome just to be able to spend more time diving in. Uh, and, and, and looking at, you know, different metrics, meeting with coaching staff every single week uh, was, was really exciting for me. And, you know, with, with the, the, the highs come the lows, I think with strength and conditioning, it's, it's really just, it's long days in season. And there's really no way to get around that. Um, right. because you are going to have travel and then, you know, you're getting back from travel and you're still going to have your other teams. Uh, it, it's not like you get to, okay, cool. Like we got back from a road trip and now I'm going to, I'm going to stay at home. No, I mean, yeah. my, my golfers were still crushing weights. So I needed, I needed to be there for that. Uh, and so it was really about, you know, and you know, when, when the team is winning, everything is great. And when the team is, is, is struggling or we're, we're losing, uh, it, it, it does get difficult. And the one great thing, though, about, you know, win or lose is that we're in it together, right? We're traveling right. to those schools together. We are coming back together. And I think that was awesome to just be able to, you know, be with a team through those highs and lows because you truly – like you feel for those student athletes. I mean, it's, it's challenging. And I, for me to travel, I, I truly realize at the division one level, at the big 10 level, what, like what time it takes to be a student athlete. I mean, I was a division three athlete and I thought mm -hmm. that was a lot of time. And <laughs> I mean, division one is a whole nother ball game with what Definitely. those, what those student athletes have to do day to day. Uh, because I know if I'm exhausted, like I'm not going to class all day either. Uh, right. like like they are so uh, my experience there was amazing and too uh, I still keep in contact with with a lot of my former student athletes from there and also it was fun getting to see other Big Ten schools as well as hey like now you're connecting with those strength and conditioning coaches uh, as well and that was really cool just to talk with hey like oh what strategies have been working for you oh, okay cool what have you guys been doing in season and and just you know uh common coaches can can talk shop for hours you know this so, yes of course uh it was it was fun to get to network that way too with with really not having to do much legwork to network right like you're with the team you're traveling and, yep. and you see them at shoot arounds and and pregame and things like that what was your like what was your best memory about doing that job i mean i i think it would have to be honestly uh, oh, it's, it's hard. I, I would probably do, do twofold. So I think one would be like the eight week summer session with women's basketball. Uh, and because it was so focused on, on strength and conditioning 
and to like watch them come in uh, week one, right? They don't know really what to expect. And then to see, you know, them progress throughout that eight weeks. Uh, and they're still doing some of their sport as well. But but that's definitely like an amazing memory for me because summer is such an intense time. Energy is high, right? They're, they have a couple, definitely. they have a couple classes, but it's not like it is during the semester. Uh, so definitely love that. And then too, uh, some of my, some of my best memories are watching my men and women's golfers crush deadlifts because it's just, <laughs> I feel like people don't think golfers lift and they do. They don't. And, and we would, we would get so fired up, uh, for deadlift day. And, and so would they, and, I, I would have, they would go home uh, during the summer, a lot of them, because they would go play. So they'd go to yeah. warmer areas and things like that. And I would be getting videos sent from these student athletes of them deadlifting to like ACDC in some, some <laughs> basement. And I'm like, this is incredible. Uh, so that, that was another um, favorite memory for me. And uh, I think I think honestly, every time I would go to a sporting event of whether it's women's tennis, men and women's golf, watching them play women's basketball, like those are amazing memories just to see them like in their element. Because yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you, you just see them go into a whole different world. And I think that's that's super powerful. So what do you think? You know, I, I'm connected to a ton of strength and conditioning coaches through LinkedIn and all that. I mean, I just meet everybody. I like chatting <laughs> with people. Which it's is just great. a thing, you know. And what would you tell? I, you know, I got a lot of students. Uh, well, students graduated from college and, they, you know, they want to get into strength and conditioning. And what, what would you tell those people, you know, about the realities of working mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. in that position? I mean, I would just tell them to be really prepared for you are probably going to have to do unpaid internships. You're probably going to have to do more internships than you might want. And then I'd also uh, strongly recommend don't just pick a school based on like logo, right? Ba pick, a school, right, right. pick a school that you know that staff is an amazing staff that is going to help you get better uh, and have a have a actual internship curriculum. I think that's that really helps students um, you know, continue to learn, right? Because what what I would never want, and, and Wisconsin did an amazing job with this, is I would never want interns to just think that all they do is clean and set up a room. Like, right. that is not at all what it should be. So the biggest thing is picking a school where you know your professional growth is going to skyrocket. Uh, and, and if you do have a, a specific interest in a sport, I mean, find that strength coach that has a lot of expertise and go there and learn from them every single day. Uh, I think, I think that will help. So the biggest thing is, is researching, doing your homework, making sure you're picking the right school for you uh, and making sure that that school lets their interns coach the majority. I think that's, ah. I think that's getting better and better. Uh, that was a problem before. I, I, think it, I think it was more like, Hey, we have interns and they're going to help us set up the room. And then they're just mm -hmm. going to like stand around. No, we, we wanted at Wisconsin. Like we told our interns, you're, you're an extension of us. Like anything you tell a student athlete, like they know they should be doing, uh, because we wanted, right. we wanted our interns. So you think, to so I, it's experience. interesting. The whole logo thing is very fascinating to me that maybe, um, 
you know, students were thinking, oh, man, I love the University of Florida. I would love to work there mm-hmm. or something. But they don't mm-hmm. even know what it's actually like, mm-hmm. the work environment mm-hmm. in that place, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because there might be there might be a D3 school that has an amazing strength and conditioning staff where you would actually almost, you know, not be in charge of a team, but you get a lot of on the floor coaching. And so maybe you look into going to that. And then also like logistics are important, right? Like you need to make sure you can, if you're going to make that move to do an internship somewhere, I mean, make sure that you can afford it and it makes sense for you. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, I think sometimes logos are great because guess what? You get a great logo and a great strength stuff. So that's uh, uh, an added bonus, but I do think it's important for, you know, students that are looking, looking for careers in strength and conditioning to like truly do your homework um, and, and make sure that staff is, is an amazing staff that, that truly wants to help you. They'll go the extra mile. They'll call coaches for you and, and things like that. Right. So I have a couple of things I, you know, I just, I just roll with it here. So how does, how did working that much affect your personal life? Um, well, uh, it, it depends who you ask. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, I, I've always been a very career-driven person. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that's ever going to change. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but with that comes, I will spend a lot of time pursuing my career meaning if I feel that there's there's a progression I'm gonna I'm gonna jump and I'm gonna take that next step Uh, and you know I I pride myself in that as well but also at the same time that's probably not great for for relationships so um, I I have been married and divorced so I'm sure uh, my work-life balance did not help that at all (laughs) Um, and and two it, it did make me more aware of when I'm not working to like truly not be working, if that makes right. sense to like, no, makes sense. To, to turn it off. And that's something that I have been uh, working on, but I don't think there's really uh, people throw around the, the work-life balance a lot. And I don't think it will ever be a perfect balance. It's more or less about when you're not working, can you actually turn it off? Yeah. Because if you're super efficient and maybe you work long days, but then if you can completely, you know, turn it off in on your day off or whatever that might be, I think you'll be fine. And maybe you only have one one day where you do that, but I think that's fine. It's all about how 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 can you turn off work on on that that short time frame. And and that's something that I work on uh a lot because I'm someone who can be consumed by work and actually be completely fine mm-hmm. with it. But I also yeah. realize that, you know, those other relationships are important too. And, and just making an effort to stay contacted to other relationships, right. And make, make an effort to maybe I go and f- fly and I see a friend, right. Just to yeah. keep that, that relationship strong because coaching is one thing that it can consume you yes. and, and you can really get into a place where, because we are so passionate about it and we just absolutely love our job that you can get stuck in that place where you don't do anything else. And I think it's, I think it's important to still make time to do those other things. I'm super close with my family. So making that a point to, you know, take time with them and actually, you know, turn off work when I'm with them. But I come from a family where work is huge for all of us. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not an uncommon thing. and, And we pride ourselves in that. Yeah, I think, you know, as as I've gotten older, 
um, I may have had different opinions about, you know, how much I worked and stuff like that. And I think it's really just comes down to the individual person and what they believe is important to them, not what I believe should be important yep. to them for that. And if somebody, if that's their environment, their living, their work environment, you know, let's say it is strength conditioning, being around athletes, if that's their social aspect as well, then that's, it is yep. what it is. That's their thing for it. I can't force what I think they should do. Yep, exactly. You know, it's just, it's not my mind to bear, exactly. but I am always curious about how those things do affect personal relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, it comes down to what, what do you desire? And if you're desiring to do something that's 90 hours a week, there's probably a give and take with that. Exactly. You know, exactly. obviously, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I saw I don't get like some of these football coaches, especially how they work that many hours and then have these large families and stuff. I'm like, Ooh, I mean, yeah. it's insane. It's insane. I feel like their time management skills must be incredible. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. Or, or I, they, or they have a lot of people in their corner helping them out. I don't, right, I don't know. Right. I don't know. But yeah, I think I think you're right. If 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 that gives you joy, you know, if you pick a career that truly gives you joy and gives you that purpose, I think your balance to some people may look completely off. But to you, it's great. It's exactly what, you know, makes you happy. Right. So the, the little time that you have, you place that in other areas, like maybe it's family, friends, relationships there. And then you're so happy to be doing the career that that you are that your your balance seems perfect whereas to an outsider looking in they're like all that person does is work like their their life is completely out of whack when yeah I mean you're you're completely happy doing it that way I'll I'll give you a good example like when I was uh, coaching collegiate athletics track and field you know I I hated the hours I did not Mm -hmm. want to work a crazy amount of hours I have a lot of outside passions and interests that I'm into and I was, you know, I like writing poetry, you know, making music, you know, hanging out, all this stuff. And uh, I think as I got older, that became even more important to me. And now with the businesses that I have, I was just in a meeting in Vancouver yesterday and we were telling uh, a spa consultant like, yeah, we're my business partner. and I we're about slowing down. We're trying Mm -hmm. to slow down hard and really just hang out at the beach, work with people we want to work with. You do things are passionate, like this podcast and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And what that works for us, that doesn't work for everybody, yep. obviously. And so it's just it, the, the whole work life balance. I think it's it's somewhat a facade because it's not you can't cookie cut it. For exactly. You know? Exactly. And you don't you don't know what brings that person joy. So right. I, I kind of. look at it that way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at, but, you know, I, I think it's pretty notorious for a lot of, you know, uh, college uh, coaches, professional coaches that, you know, the, this, the historic amount of hours worked, you know, um, and I think sometimes that could be tough, you know, like people burn out sometimes doing things mm-hmm. for a long, long time. I mean, I, you know, I was in a job for 12 years. I didn't burn out for it, but I just, you know, your priorities change. You want to do something else, you know, and maybe challenge yourself in a different way. Definitely. And, and you never know where your life takes you as you age and you get older, your priorities change too. 
Oh, exactly. I mean, if someone would have asked me five years ago, will you be living in San Francisco working for a tech startup? I would have been like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> why? What are you yeah. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. But and that's why I think it's cool. I think it's it's awesome to connect with other people and just hear their journey, because yes. I would guess 100 percent of them had no idea that they would be where they are now. Right. They. It's just, it's, it's interesting to me. And I think coaches, especially just because there is so much moving that goes into that profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always super interesting to, to hear their stories. So tell me, who was the hardest team to work with? Oh, huh. you know what? I would, I would probably take it back to UC Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my men's soccer team. And, and here's why. Really? So here's why it was twofold. Great, great kids absolutely loved working with them but soccer is one of those sports and it continues to be one of those sports where either you're on one side of the fence or you're on the other and that means either you believe that lifting can truly help your sport or Mm -hmm. you're on the other side where you're like ah actually I don't think I need that because there's still so many professional uh, like men's soccer players who don't lift and it's it's starting to change it's starting to change but um that that was challenging because we I saw it on our team. We had about fifty percent. They were bought in. They absolutely loved it. They felt the difference as well on the on the field. And then right. the other fifty percent, yes, they would come because they had to. Uh, yes. But they're not, you know, they're not putting in the the hundred percent effort because yeah. they're like this could help, but it might not. You know that that on the fence kind of thing. Uh, and. You know, we, we worked, I worked with the, the head coach and we tried to keep them consistent, but as the season <laughs> goes on, it's like, now they're coming in once and then I don't see them for like two weeks. Uh, and then we start dealing with, well, now they're sore, but you have yeah. to stay consistent so that you don't become uh, sore. Uh, so I would probably say that was my most challenging team because of that. There's, there's so much that they can still do their sport. And, and I think, I think every sport can do their sport without lifting because it's, it's very skill-based, but can you be more resilient uh, when you include lifting? I think the answer is absolutely. So, so that's what people forget. Like if we're going to argue, I think every single sports team can, can do their sport without, without strength and conditioning, which is, which is hilarious because I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I just think we can definitely help. (laughs) We can definitely help them be more efficient at their sport and be more resilient. I think that's super important as you want to progress in your career. Did you ever discuss with them like kind of the the health and wellness aspect of it? Not just the athletic, like this will help you on the field, the court, whatever. But hey, you know, we're doing this strength training, not just for athletics here. I mean, it's a good start to your life and, and for this Yes, a, a lot of it was, you know, even, hey, like, let's just move through ranges of motion that you don't on the field. Right. <laughs> and, and, and spinning it that way uh, definitely helped. It helped buy in. And I think, I think the team as a whole, as I worked with them and as that, that entire year progressed, I worked with them for two years, I saw more and more buy in. It, it truly is about right. educating. And it, it truly is about, yeah, maybe with some athletes, you have to spin that for them. And, and really just focus on, Hey, if nothing else, like this is going to improve your mobility. Like if nothing else, like this is going to make you sleep better or whatever it is, just like take it completely away from their actual sport with some, but, 
um, yeah, I got the majority of the team. They, they jumped on board and, uh, and we, we had a good two years. That's you know, I, I had no clue about that for soccer. I mean, I know when, when I was, um, a collegiate athlete, we, we didn't have a lot of interaction with the soccer team. They were kind of in a, a different complex away from us. So we didn't see them a lot, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware that this was kind of a hangup it's, for that it's, team. It's starting to get better and better. I'm seeing a lot more soccer teams like jump on board. They're looking way more at monitoring now. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's all great things because soccer is, it's a, it's a crazy sport. And, uh, I think the weight room can definitely help and also just in- increasing those athletes capacities. Like, I mean, the, the monitoring has helped tremendously just to see what they're even doing on the field. <laughs> uh, right. So I think, I think it's definitely getting there. I think it's going in the right direction. Uh, and, and coaches, soccer coaches as well are, are truly looking at the weight room as, as a much more positive place for their sport. Wow, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you're taking me back man, big time <laughs> on this. I remember how we used to always have, uh, you know, strength, uh, our strength training after track and field practice. I'd be like, man, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I remember like you had to go. And I was one of the people like I enjoyed it. I loved lifting and I really got into it. I was intense. But I can remember a good portion of my teammates who were definitely not into it. You know, they mm-hmm. were just chat. They were talking to girls and stuff like that in the weight room and stuff. And I don't know how it is now, but like, it was like co-ed lifting oh, when I was. I feel know. like track, that's still really common. I feel like, yeah. I, I feel like track will always all just live together. It's like, it's more separated by events, right? Your, mid, yeah, your mids yeah. will live together. Your sprinters might live together. That's right. But for the most part, it's all, it's going to be the whole group. Yeah, it was definitely a very co-ed situation. And it was just like, I felt like it was more like flirting and stuff like that. And, <laughs> then you know, checking each getting yeah, stronger. <laughs> it was like checking each other out. I was like loafing around. And we always got the graduate assistant. So we never got like an actual strength <laughs> coach. So it was like we were just, you know, dicking around mm-hmm. half the time. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I was like, I love doing this. So I really listened to the graduate assistant, you know, and. I really, and I, you know, I had a couple of my teammates I brought with me, like, come on guys, we need to really get into this, you know, but then it'd be guys just like hanging out in the corner and stuff. And I was like, this is hilarious, yes. man. <laughs> yes. I've, I've never had a uh, track like directly as one of my teams. Now I've uh-huh. helped, I've helped uh, coach just because it typically is a large group. So the more coaches, yeah. the better, but I feel like that's still happening. Like, it's still happening. I feel like that's still a common, a common thing because <sighs> they're always, they're always doing their running first and then they're coming into yeah. the room and it is, I mean, that's hard to sprint and then, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to we're going to do some squats now, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're doing like 90 percent of your max and you're after you've just, you know, done 16 intervals of 200 meter sprints or whatever. Yes. And, then, and don't forget the actual active warm up before that. and everything. Yes. I mean, basically like a workout. I mean, when I when I did track, uh, we did the same thing. We lifted right after and I'm like, can we put these crash bars up? Like, I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> when I lower this bar. Uh, so, yes, I think that's that's a huge reason for it is, I mean, the athletes are extremely fatigued coming in. Yes. Like, ext- like we'd be laying in the hallway <laughs> 
and then they're like, oh, time to go lift. And we're like, are you serious? And we're like, ugh. I okay. mean, at, at UConn, I, I did an internship there, and uh, I, I helped with the track team there. And it, it's funny you said they were laying in the hallway because we would we would walk out of the weight room and be like, where's track? Like, where are our sprinters? Yep. And they were just hanging out on the stairs. I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and they're like trying to delay this as long as we can <laughs> i'm like let's go i mean come on it's true and, and it's, it's true and that's why i say if this is still happening uh yeah they would just be randomly sitting on stairs like sipping water or whatever uh yep yep trying like just like trying straggling to just, into yes, the weight room you just, know? i think i think they were just hoping that uh, coach mo butler would just come out and be uh you know what you guys you don't have to yeah. but but that that never happens <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny these these experiences i like to share them with different people who haven't experienced it because that you know you you're getting a look behind the curtain of mm-hmm. something that you just see an athlete show up to a match a game mm-hmm. or whatever and you go oh man look at this you know mm-hmm. but it's that's such a short amount of time Oh yeah, people. For what's actually happening? People have no idea the the work that those those athletes do behind the scenes. I, I mean, it, it's it's truly incredible. And even dialing in their nutrition. I mean, these are college kids, and they have to dial right. in their nutrition, and then too actually try to get some sleep, which is is difficult in that setting. And so people people outside of it they they truly don't see what all what all goes on behind right right do they still have that 20 hour rule a week type of thing yep yep yeah I, that's garbage that that was definitely not adhered to no. <laughs> I, was gonna, <laughs> I was like we've been, this is like a full-time job there's no 20 hours <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's why things are listed as optional <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm my in quotation with my yes. hands. Optional. Yes. yes. Op- optional yeah. is a frequently used word. I feel like during yes. those times. Oh my goodness. Well, I, we're gonna fast forward to the future. Here. All right. Um, All right. My my segue skills are just it's unbelievable. It, 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 it truly <laughs> is. <laughs> so you decided to change it all. Yes. And go to a completely different environment. Tell me what that was like for you. Uh, for me, it, it was a couple things. I get this question all the time because I'm, I'm interviewing coaching candidates to, to bring them on board. And they always mm-hmm. ask, what made you leap from college to this? Because it's a world that's unknown for a lot of college strength and conditioning coaches. And for me, the thought of being able to basically help build something that's never been done is an amazing thing to think about. So that's, that was number one. And then what you're building is going to truly impact people's lives. And we don't even know how many, and that's, what's really, really cool. I think, I think we all get into coaching because we enjoy helping other people, watching them progress. Right. And to, to be able to use technology to have that impact on such a larger scale was really, really cool for me. Uh, the, the other big piece was professional growth. Um, this is something that I'm not a tech savvy person right. <laughs> at all. Uh, and I knew that this would be a challenge for me. And I, I had spent now a decent amount of time in college strength and conditioning. Uh, and I was kind of searching for that, hey, like what's next? Like what, what's going to happen next? How, how will I continue to, to progress and challenge myself? And, and this was one of those opportunities that I felt uh, would never come around again. 
Uh, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm so thankful that I did take the leap and, and Josh, my, my director here was very helpful in, and being reassuring with, Hey, like if it's something that completely doesn't work for you, you can always go back to college strength right. and conditioning. Like that will always be there for you, but this maybe will never come back. And that's what, what really helped me. And when I was weighing, uh, weighing everything, the biggest thing was just, it, it's he just kept saying like this is a fast moving train and now I'm starting to see it like it is right. truly a fast moving train but it's also just such a powerful place to be in when you're you're working side by side with so many people that share that same passion that same excitement to see where can we take this thing and and how can we continue to be creative to make new strategies because we we can't just look at someone else that's already done it because it hasn't been done. And I think right. that professionally for me uh, was was a really attractive thing. And uh, I, I decided to do it and I, I haven't looked back. And it's it's been a wild uh, it's been a wild ride because, you know, you're being asked to do things that you're like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But like you have to figure it out. And, Certainly. And so using that creative uh, mind and, and really pushing forward and then seeing it carried out, it's incredible. I mean, because you know that you were part of, of creating that. So for people unfamiliar, you just give everybody kind of the highlights of what future is the company and, uh, you know, the innovation behind it. For sure. So we are taking virtual training, but giving people a real live coach. Uh, there's there's definitely apps out there that have programs, but we have a real life coach messaging you throughout the day, making changes to your workout. I mean, and that could be throughout the day, right? If someone like rolls their ankle, yes. we make those changes and then, hey, click submit, you're ready to go. Uh, and we know that having a coach works. Everyone knows that if you can afford to have a coach, like you're going to have results, right. but like people can't afford that. And for us to be able to give a service to everyone uh, for a, a rate, a monthly rate, and now you can work with a, an elite coach, right? Like our team is amazing. So not only are you just getting like, you're not just getting like a, a run of the mill, right? Maybe like they got a week insert somewhere like our right. coaches right. are extremely educated, have amazing experience. So you're getting an elite coach for this price and you could have seven workouts a week, right? You could have um, information on nutrition. You could have information on your sleep and being able to offer a service like that to everyone, I think is incredible. So yeah, we're, we're, we're virtual uh, and, but we're, we're real life. And that's what people forget. Like there's truly a, a real life coach behind the scenes right making those adjustments for you you're going on vacation cool we just change your workouts to make it work wherever you are you know maybe we ca we call the hotel see what equipment they have make sure you're set so that people never fall off the rails and that's and that's what we see a lot especially with gen pop you know life life happens yeah. life happens yes so of course we're 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 an app that we we don't allow our clients to to fall off the rails, which I'm sure a lot of them can attest to. We'll we'll give them body weight circuits to keep them moving, right? Right. Um, but right. I think having and just having that constant accountability, like we're another person that's in their corner. We're their support system, and I think every single human being like loves that. 
I mean, you love to have someone supporting you. Why wouldn't you? And, and they know that we'll always be there. So I think that's such a powerful thing and why this is such an amazing um, app and why it has been successful and it will continue to grow because we offer uh, a, a real life coach for you every single day. Now, as a, this is remote work, uh, correct? So all of our coaches right now are actually at our headquarters. So we're all, all right, so, yeah, so we're all in-house right now. So that was going to say, is it um, that you have to live in San Francisco to do the job? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We might, I, and we might get there. We might roll out um, on a remote model, remote model in the future, but see what I did there? Every time now I, yes, I use it. Yes, I know. See, it's, you're learning, okay? It, it, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, we might get there, but yeah, right now we're, we're big on, on bringing our performance team and having them at our headquarters because there are so many changes that are constantly being made, you know, with our, with our engineering team and being able to have that communication right in off in office is, is efficient. Now, what has been your biggest um, change with working, going from working with, you know, collegiate athletes to working with kind of your general exerciser? What is, what has maybe surprised you the most? Um, I, I, well, the biggest change is just like actually working in an office, right? Like not a weight room with, with blaring music and weights Mm -hmm. crashing around. Uh, but honestly, gen pop is a lot more like athletes than people give them credit for. I, I like to compare gen pop to my incoming freshmen, right? You have no idea what, (laughs) what they were doing before. They might tell you that they were doing one thing and then you find it's actually a little bit different than what they were saying. Um, but I, I, I approach them very similar of, Hey, I want to get to know you. I want to build that relationship and I want to make sure that you're proficient in these movements and then we will progress. So they're actually very similar to incoming freshmen. Uh, and, and it's a good analogy. Yes. I totally get that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, and, and just like an incoming freshman, you need to build that relationship. They don't know you, they don't trust right. you. They've, they may have never met you before unless they, you know, were on a recruiting visit, but that, right. that doesn't really count. Uh, and so just like Jen pop, the first, we, we have a FaceTime call with them to, to kick things off. And, and that's for me, like that FaceTime call is like the equivalent of like, a freshman's first day. Yep. You're, you're trying to make them comfortable and you're trying to, you know, build that trust and build that relationship. And then from there, it's all about seeing where they're at and then progressing them to wherever they want to get. The biggest thing is like, we're at point A, how do we get to point B? What are we going to do to get there? And how fast can we realistically get there? That's really what training is. So, so people a lot of times completely separate the two. And I actually think they're much more similar um, because the only the only change might be maybe you progress a, a student athlete a lot quicker, but you're still getting from point A to point B. It's just how are you doing that? Right. It was interesting. I love the commentary about coaching and guidance um, because there's actually there's a lot of research about the effectiveness of coaching and guidance, you know, and, and personal training and things of that nature, nature. And it makes a gigantic difference. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny, like. I've always worked in luxury training environments and, and clientele. And even for people who, you know, they're in the top 17% of people that can afford, you know, higher training prices, there's still a resistance with people mm-hmm. to have coaching. And mm-hmm. I think it's just the control element of mm-hmm. it. 
Like, this is my body. I, I know how to train my body. Actually, mm-hmm. you don't, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people just don't know exactly how to work their body. But but because it's your body, it's kind of like these things like, OK, you would never go and try to operate on yourself. But it's seen differently. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yep. oh, OK, well, this is something. Yeah, of course, I couldn't slice myself open and, you know, a scalpel and do all these intricate things. But then it's it's looked at differently with exercise. Like, well, this should be so simple. Well, and I think I think because there's so much information out there for our right. field that people they, they tend to think like, hey, I'm, I'm almost an expert, right? I've, I've, I've read a lot. I've seen a lot of like videos, exercise I watched that YouTube video. I, yeah. I followed this person and that person. Like I should be fine. And what people don't realize is no, like, just like you were saying, just like a doctor, like we, we have an expertise in how does your body move? Why do you have chronic pain? Like, right. why can't you do that movement? And, and people tend to just do the same thing over and over again and keep dealing with the same pain over and over again. And then they wonder, yes, why is this happening? And it's truly because like, you need to have a coach who, who has <laughs> expertise uh, because doing the same thing over and over again, hasn't gotten you to your goals. And it probably, yeah. you probably haven't gotten rid of your pain either. So, because a, a lot of gym pop, they have pain. I mean, whether it's, Big time. Yeah. Whether it's acute chronic, like they have some sort of pain or whether it's just literally from stress, like they have something going on. Um, And, and that's why I I truly believe that every single person needs a coach. I I believe that coaches need coaches. I mean, we we all, we all train each other. And uh, because the, the end of the day, you're going to give yourself in a program, things that you like to do or things that you might be good at. And uh, another coach is going to see where your weak areas, what do you truly need to be doing? And then there is that, there's that accountability, you know, when you're tired, you don't want to disappoint someone, but if it's yourself writing the program, (laughs) you're like, "Ah, I'll do this tomorrow. Yeah. I'll save this for another time. (laughs) Yeah. Let's put these movements a different time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's just, yeah, I just think coaching is incredibly important, but it's just, it's funny come overcoming the obstacle of, people of their they're thinking they don't need it you know yeah or they you know lifted weights in high school and that's the same routine they've been doing for 25 years you know it's like yes like your body on, has man. adapted we, yeah, we, need, you... we need to do something else please give yourself a different stimulus <laughs> it's, you know it's just this con- just yes that adaptation happened like 25 years ago it's like <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten extremely comfortable on this and i get it because people are creatures of comfort, you know, and you're like, Hey, I got this routine. It's really good. And I, for me, and I just go in and I get it done and I sweat a little bit and then I'm out of there. And uh, it's, it's much more complex than that, you know? And I, it's just interesting at this stage of my career being in almost 20 years, I'm like, how much do I say? And how much do I just let go? Mm-hmm. You know, how much mm-hmm. do I really care mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this point? About, you know? Like it, how much is that worth to you? To expend, is it worth it for me? Energy yeah. doing that. You know, some guy doing, you know, a lat pull down behind his head. And stuff. I'm like, man, this this is not mil- the military in 1989 here. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, cervical spine is destroyed from this. Yes. And he, he probably has pain somewhere, I would guess. Yeah, there's got to be. Or the guy who's like, you know, doing, a, let's, I'm going to say the lat lat pull down because I, I, i've seen this recently that's what i'm saying it's like you know the guys like he pulls the weight down and he's like throws his body completely like 
literally mm-hmm. vertical to horizontal just to lift the heavier weight mm-hmm. hey he's got he's using momentum to crush those weights yeah. right i'm like oh man we need to lighten that load by like 50 pounds at least man <laughs> you know and like this just goes to the technique but i'm like what's it worth to me yeah you know yeah he's gonna think i'm like picking on him he's gonna get defensive probably and you know? and like you don't want to discourage that person like right. entirely but you just also want to like truly say hey maybe you should try it this way just see what happens because one day you're not coming back up when you lift that thing (laughs) (laughs) you're not coming back up but honestly honestly (laughs) it's just a fun it's just it's different when you're in the profession you know and it's I always think kind of like when I'm in the gym or wherever and I'm and I'm doing all these different planes of motion and mobility stability and all this stuff and, you know, you're, it's kind of loneliness, mm-hmm. at least for me, because I'm always the only person I see doing anything like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's always you're always look unique to other people. Yes. Like people are looking at looking at you and being like, God, what is he even doing? And, like, what is going on? And over then, there? And like, then all I want to say is you should do this same warm up. Yeah. You need to come over here <laughs> and actually do some dynamic movement, moving <laughs> up and down instead of staying in a stationary place the entire time. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's just a different environment to be in. And yeah. I was just curious about, you know, kind of your transition. Yeah. And working with kind of your general it's, exerciser because it's different. Yeah, it's it's different, but it's been it's been a smoother transition than even I anticipated because of that reason. I, I started to see all the similarities uh, between between athletes and, and gen pop. And, mm-hmm. and the cool thing that we have uh, even more so that when I had with my student athletes is I'm in constant communication. You know, yeah. the, the student athletes would go home for three weeks. We would message back and forth a little bit, but yeah. nothing like this where, you know, people are on vacation. They're sending us pictures. They're, they're still getting workouts in, in Europe. Right. Like, and I think, I think that's why this works for, for so many people because there's that flexibility. Uh, when, when people can afford to have a coach in person, which, you know, some people can, there's still not flexibility that goes with that. If you're traveling for work or if you're going on vacation, you're not going to make those sessions. And for us, that's our, that's one of our big things is we have flexibility. So if you have an absolutely crazy schedule, uh, this can still work for you. And, and I feel like that's why a lot of people fall off. Um, their, yeah. their schedule gets crazy. And then they're like, ah, I can't make those sessions anymore. Whereas this, it's like, if your schedule gets crazy, like we'll make up something quick for you to do at home just to get you moving yeah. every single day. Certainly. I, I totally agree. I mean, I don't, uh, on this podcast, I, I rarely like talk about my business so much It's about you guys, you know, for, mm-hmm. but I, this is just so close to home for me. I mean, you know, I have my uh, online live online business and I, you know, I have a client who, had to move to Minnesota to take care of her sick mother for the entire summer. And um, if, if we were in person, um, we would have lost those three months completely. Yep. And we have not skipped a beat. We've had a session. We've had four sessions a week, every single week since she's moved. And, you know, we were talking about it during the session the other day. And then it was like, this is the amazing thing about what's going on and, and, and the move to virtual training yep. has and been you're, extremely you're, positive. I was just going to say, and you're seeing it everywhere. Everywhere. And, and it's everywhere. because people want convenience. They want, yes. that, they want that flexibility and it's, it's helping them to actually stay active for more than three months. 
right? Because right. that's typically I mean, when people fall off. They might be in it to win it for three months and then yes, they typically yeah. start to fall off because life happens or whatever. And and now with virtual training, uh, we don't really give them that option to fall right. off because we can adjust. Right, exactly. And it's almost the kind of uberization of fitness in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. Of hey, you know, it's like I remember when I used to take taxi cabs in Las Vegas, and it was just mind-blowingly garbage. I mean, it was just like, oh, I'm waiting 45 minutes for a cab, and then when Uber came out, it changed my life. And going out and hanging out it was like mm, two minutes. I get in something, boom, boom, boom. I mean, it was just yeah. like the convenience of it, and that's why it exploded—the convenience yeah. aspect of it. And exactly. I think we're headed the same way with fitness with this and hopefully it gets more people involved with it. That's, that's the goal. The goal is, you know, our, our healthcare system, it's, it's messed up right now. And, and our goal is with, with every fitness professional, uh, the goal is to get people moving, get people active and, and work on this preventative health and, and having it virtual is one way to use technology uh, to do that. Totally agree. Now, I wanted to ask you something. I was curious about this was um, I like to ask my colleagues, especially because, you know, now we're in this age and in general exercises where people are trying to train like athletes and Mm -hmm. more intensity and hit Mm -hmm. workouts. And that has almost created a very gigantic recovery market Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. What what recovery modalities or approaches do you take with your clients or what you have done with your collegiate athletes? Well, I think I think the first thing is, you know, stress is stress, right? Mm -hmm. So with with athletes, their stress is coming a lot from training and school and life and things like that. Whereas Gen Pop, they may have a lot more stress coming just from life. Um, and not so much stress is from training, but at the end of the day, stress is stress. So right. they have to make sure they're recovering. So it's been crazy. But with Gem Pop, one thing is actually just just encouraging them to walk, like just walk more, walk every single day. Yeah, uh, because for that, that is that's that's recovery for them. Um, it doesn't have to be this like huge, like pool session or whatever yeah. uh, for, for Gem Pop. And then two, a lot of it is finding time to just uh, turn everything off because the, the biggest thing with people and, and stress, no matter what it is, is having those times that you can, you know, whether it's meditate, whether it's yoga, whatever it is for you or whatever your passion is like doing those things to help decrease stress. So it doesn't always have to just be like movement related. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of things that you can do to to decrease stress, whether that's like dancing, whether that's laughing, yeah. whether that's laughing with people that you're close to. I mean, all those things. Totally. And I think people forget that there's a lot of different uh, ways to decrease stress. And, and that's all recovery is, is you're trying to decrease stress. Uh, so but I mean, for for some of my for some of my gym popper, I know there's you know, they're sitting a lot or, yeah. uh, which is the majority because they, they work at a desk job or whatever it might be, or they're traveling a lot. So they're sitting there. It's just doing things, you know, ground base where they're just moving, getting up from the ground to standing. <laughs> like, right. Right. Like I'm a big proponent of that. Yes. It's, it's literally the, the most basic movements, you know, crawling, I like yes. just, just getting them to do basic movements that they haven't done. And I don't know how long <laughs> since they were a kid. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that truly <laughs> is going to help them. 
uh, is, is doing those movement patterns. So I'm, I'm big on doing like, you know, like flow type sessions for, for yeah. hip mobility and uh, just to decrease pain in, in their back and things like that. So I'm huge on doing ground-based things. Um, yes, and, I'm totally with you and on then, that. <laughs> and then just educating them why, like being, being barefoot, like just, and, yep. and I'm not, I'm not one of those, cra- I'm not one of those crazy people. That's like, you should run barefoot for miles. No, like no, no, not, no, no. not like that. No, I no. mean, just like walking around their house barefoot because right. people, people don't right. even do that as much anymore. So, that's true. so it's, it's really just, Hey, like get outside, be barefoot and just like go through some basic movements. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so yeah. simple, but no one, no one really does it anymore. I think what's very interesting is if, um, you know, when people get older, they get they get less creative and, and less uh, pliable with what they're doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. movement wise. You know, you you in, you small engineer your life towards whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so your mobility decreases dramatically and you just you, you kind of put yourself in a box. And I remember one time I was at an airport and I saw this guy fall down in the line going to security. And I was reaching for something and he fell and he couldn't get up. He literally couldn't get up. Oh, yeah. I, I don't like, even doubt I, that that's crazy yeah. and i said and i told my wife i said when you can't get up and you're just you know this guy's like look like he was in his 40s and you can't actually physically pick yourself up you're in a bad place man yes you're in like a really bad place because yes. that ain't gonna get better exactly exactly <laughs> and even like a lot of these a lot of these workouts with athletes gem pop it doesn't matter it's it's about can you continue to go from a ground base from the floor yes. to a standing movement at any point in time in that workout? Because you should that's be, exactly you right. Should be able to. You should be able to. I mean, if you can't pick yourself up off the floor, I mean, you're in a world of hurt. But then people again start engineering their life where they will never get in situations that they have to fall or mm-hmm. they, where they're going to fall, and it just becomes a very limiting mm-hmm. thing with that. But uh, that, that's really interesting. You have that perspective. I'm, I'm huge into that, into crawling forward, backwards, yes. upper, lower level things. You know, you know, we're moving sideways, different directions, yes. body. It's hugely important. It looks hilarious when yes. you're doing it, but, but you, you have to do it. And you will feel better uh, yes. as you as you continue to do it. I mean, you can talk to my clients. I I. I program bear crawls a lot. All the time, man. <laughs> uh, and but even even just yeah, going from the ground to standing is is a huge a huge part of that. But yeah, crawling, rolling, uh, all those things, uh, super important, especially as we age, because it just becomes a forgotten movement. <laughs> it does. Real quick, I want to ask you what are, what are your thoughts about like foam roll- rollers or like uh, vibration based technology? I think uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot out there about it, right? Uh, there's and there's yeah. very strong opinions about it. I think for sure. I think with foam rolling, it is it, when people start to say that it can like truly change like your your tissue. I I dis- I'm not so I, sure I, about I strongly that. disagree I mean. because <laughs> if it if it did, we are truly made of clay, and if someone like right, touches right. us, we'll have an indent then. Um, <laughs> and and so I definitely don't believe that. But what I do believe is if that foam roller, right? Like, let's say this is some person's routine; they just absolutely love rolling out, and if that makes them perceive their environment as safe and they feel great. I actually do believe that can help their range of motion, but I don't actually think it's from the foam roller at all. I actually think it's neurological. Uh, I actually agree with that. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a great meta-analysis of like 30 plus studies yes. done by sweat science. And it basically the conclusion is can't say it works. Can't say it doesn't work. But it, if you think it works, 
good for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if the placebo effect uh, puts yes. you, puts your your mind in in a space where you believe that your environment is safe and you feel totally confident with movements, I think you will move better. Uh, and, and and it's just like it goes back to when an athlete knows the weight on the bar versus they don't right and if right. it's a weight maybe that they're like have like this preconceived thought about yeah i bet they will squat completely different than if they thought it was a weight they've done a hundred times right uh, and right. i, I kind of believe that same kind of thought process goes to, to to foam rolling i mean and i i think i think it's great to do for that reason uh because it, it helps people move um but yeah if we're going to talk about like breaking up uh and and working on actual like soft tissue, no. Right, no. <laughs> I no. I don't believe that at all. And I think people are starting to get away from that a little bit. But whenever I still right. hear that, I'm like, eh. you're like, no, <laughs> no, no. I get asked about it all the time, and I'm like, listen, I I looked through the research on it and the whole thing, and I was like, man, I'm gonna tell you, if you like it, go for yes. it. But it's yes. not doing these things you probably think they're doing. Yes, but, you know exactly. But if it did help them move better because they perceive yeah. their environment is safe and they uh their their joints will pass, like you know, then go go ahead. But yeah, yeah, it's not going to actually make structural changes. <laughs> no, no. You know, like I like I have the uh, the hypersphere from Hyperice. OK. And I really like it only because like I, I have no clue what it actually does, like <laughs> scientifically, literally. I mean, I mean, I have my doctorate and I'm into science and all this stuff, but sometimes I just don't care mm -hmm. about that aspect. All I know is whenever I use it before I work out, I feel very loose and very ready to hit it hard Yay. immediately. Because I hate that initial couple minutes where I'm very dry mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to get, you know, my, I like to be really warm and it's a good kind of passive warm up yes. for me. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you about the science completely about it, but at least for me, that's what it works. But you know? yeah. And it even goes into, I actually just had this conversation with one of my clients. He lifted at a gym for the first time he was traveling. Right. And he found this gym in New York to go to. And he's like, everything felt heavy, everything. And I'm like, right. of course it did, because you've never been to that gym before. So he <laughs> exactly. was lifting the same amount of weights, but the environment was completely different. So for him, like he's perceiving, you know, and he's dealing with just the stress of that. And it, it is crazy. Whenever I've trained at a different facility, I'm like, Ugh, I never have a good training session. I'm the same way. I'm like, this is just not feel right. You yes. Know, it's just... And it's the same exact weight on the bar. But uh, when your environment is different, uh, it, it does a lot to your performance. You're like, man, this 50 pounds is not 50 pounds. Like something's everywhere wrong. You go. I mean, did they, how did they make this? <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And two, pulley or something? and two, there's like, obviously a lot that goes into that, like travel, your prices, yeah, exactly. and things like that. But I still think that on any given day, if you went to a gym for the first time and didn't change anything about your travel or, or things yep. like that, I still feel the weights would be, feel super heavy. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, because you're just perceiving your environment is, is different. Man, I tell you what, Renee, you were awesome. Thank I'm you so, so much. glad, man. I'm so glad we connected and that, you know, you agreed to come on. I think it's been very informational and, and just a lot of learning and, you know, kind of a peek behind the curtain of your life and working with athletes and now, you know, working with futures. So um, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, I love that we were able to connect. No doubt. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. See that? De definitely. <laughs> definitely.
when you say future, you got it, man. All right. Thank you so much, Renee. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Mary, and you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Autumn is in the air. Time for back-to-school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy.